Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 for our scripture reading today. We'll be reading Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. If any of you do not uh, have a Bible, we do have Bibles available in the foyer, um, and you're welcome to bring them those home with you as well. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Travis. I am one of the pastors here at Hope, and I will be bringing the message this morning. I would encourage you this morning to leave your Bibles open to Ephesians 6, because we will be coming back to that throughout the message this morning. And also take out your sermon outline. So in your bulletin this morning is a little blue sheet. Uh, we also always have the sermon outline online at hbcmanchester.org. You just go to online bulletin there. We have the whole bulletin and our sermon outline. You always can use that. We'd encourage you to use that as well. Well, if you are a parent or if you have children in your home or if you have watched children at some point in your life, then you are very familiar with a struggle. And you might even call it a battle, depending on the kids that you're responsible for. And that battle is getting ready to go. So maybe it's ready to go to school, or ready to go to the store, or ready to go to the church, or ready to go to bed. But one way or another, you've been a part of that struggle, that battle with your children. That battle can be a real headache. It takes reminding and reminding and instructing and explaining and encouraging and threatening. Not that I would know anything about any of that. Well, here in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about getting ready for battle. Maybe there's a reason that Paul put this section immediately following the section that said, children, obey your parents. Although I'm not sure the 7 p.m. get ready for bed battle is the battle that he's talking about here. He's referring to arming yourself for a battle that faces all believers. It's a battle that if we're a true follower of God, a true disciple of God, as we see on the screen here behind me, it's a battle that we can't opt out of. We can't go AWOL. We can't dodge the draft for this battle. It's a battle that if we have chosen to be a follower of God, He is going into this battle, and we are following Him there. It's important as we start this message this morning that we define who this battle is against and who this battle is not against. So if you have your Bibles open to Ephesians 6, we're going to go back a couple of verses to what we read a few weeks ago from Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. So I'd like to read that for you as we talk about who our battle is against. It says there, "...put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil." For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle, then, is not against the church down the road. Our battle is not against the atheist in your neighborhood. 
It's not against the bully in your school. It's not against the Muslim or the Mormon in your workplace. It's not against the people in your community. It's not against Democrats or Republicans. It's not against Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or Paula Page or Janet Mills or any of their supporters. Our battle is not against people at all. Our battle is against Satan and his demons. In fact, Satan, the author of confusion, begins to win the battle when we get confused, when we get distracted, and we turn our weapons and our hatred towards the people that God loves and God came to die for and God came to save instead of following Jesus into the battle that He is in and that ultimately He will win. This morning there are two pieces of armor, as Paul calls them, that we will focus on today that can be really easy to overlook or underappreciate, that can be easy to come complacent about or to slip away from, but they are crucial to our victory in this battle that we face. Last week we talked about truth and righteousness, and today we will talk about the gospel and faith. So like I said, I encourage you to keep that sermon outline out because I'm going to go through a bunch of Scripture passages this morning, and they are all on your sermon outline, and I'd encourage you to kind of follow along as we get to those different passages today. So as we seek to worship God this morning through the hearing of His Word and through living it out, I'm going to say a prayer as we start the message this morning. And in my prayer, I'm going to say, God, speak to me today. And I would like you out loud to say that part of the prayer with me. So I'm going to say, God, speak to me today. So I'm going to pray my prayer. I'm going to say, in Jesus' name, God, speak to me today. So can we practice that right now? So in Jesus' name, God, speak to me today. Great. Let's pray together. God, we want to hear from you and from your word and from your spirit this morning. May we have ears to hear what you would have us to hear. May we have a heart that understands practically what this message means for us personally. May we have hands and feet that are willing to live out the truths that you are giving us to live out today. And may our church and our community be greatly influenced by our obedience and our worship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. God, speak to me today. Amen. Later on this year, the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, starring Tom Hanks, is is going to be released about the life of Fred Rogers from PBS's Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. If you don't know anything about the show or if you don't know anything about the movie, you haven't seen the promo or anything, uh, I thought I'd give you what the movie is in a nutshell. Are you ready? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day for this beauty hood. A neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? That's it. You don't need to see the movie. 
The whole movie is about putting on a pair of shoes. <laughs> I don't have a sweater, and it doesn't fit my message this morning, so I left it out. <laughs> Two different people were like, sweater. <laughs> I understand. I've seen it. All right, so, but Paul talks about this morning putting on a pair of shoes, which is my segue at this point. The first way that we get ready is to put on our gospel shoes. Look back to verse 15 of Ephesians 6. It says there, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So what does it look like to put on the armor of the gospel? What would it mean to get ready with the gospel message? How would you clothe yourself with the gospel truth? In what way would you put on your gospel shoes? Well, first of all, it means we need to get prepared. Paul says, put on the readiness given by the gospel. So as far as the gospel is concerned, the first step in, in putting on that armor of the gospel is to prepare ourselves with the gospel message. This is how Peter says it in 1 Peter 3, 15, which is on your sermon outline this morning. It says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. The point here is that at all times, in every situation, in every circumstance, we need to be ready to go. We need to be armed and prepared with this gospel message. We got our shoes on, and we are prepared to go with the good news of the gospel at all times. Now, how do we get prepared with the gospel message? Well, we get prepared by knowing it personally and intimately. You know, the gospel inside and out. You know everything about the gospel so that anytime you're talking to anyone, any question that they have, you are ready with the answer. Now, guys, I want you to, married guys, I want you to imagine that someone came up to you this morning and, and your wife is standing next to you and they said, hey, when is your anniversary? And you think for a second and then you say, uh, I think our anniversary is in the, it's in the summer, right, honey? It's... Uh, June, yeah, June 12, 14, uh, I'll have to get back to you on that one. That's the question you want to be armed with the answer of, right, when someone asks you that question. And that's the same way with the gospel message. When someone comes to us with a message about God or with a message of the gospel, we have already prepared ourselves in advance to be ready with the answer to that question. And so, with that in mind, I wanted to do something this morning to give you a visual illustration of the gospel to help us be better armed with the gospel message. So I'm going to have five volunteers come up on the stage. So I talked to them already. So if you guys could all come up. Now, I don't know any of you guys, right? This is the first time we've ever met. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not a magic trick. Uh, all right. So this morning, I want you to... Uh, Imagine that this stage is a spectrum of good and evil. So this side over here is completely all, and then the people aren't representing that yet, okay? Because Pastor Glenn's closer to evil, we see that. 
I didn't tell him where to stand. He was just naturally drawn to that direction. <laughs> all right, so this side's ultimately good, perfect, and this side is completely evil, okay? So, and we have these, this step down here that is kind of kind of be our spectrum. And then we're going to have some people that are going to represent where we stand along the stage from good and evil. So we'll start on the good side, and we'll start, we have some props. We have Abraham Lincoln, who I think is, uh, you're gonna, yeah, you got to wear that. He looks, he needs to grow a beard, but he's pretty close in the tallness uh, department. So if you'd head toward good, I think Abraham Lincoln is universally kind of thought of as a pretty good guy. Uh, the second one, it was the best spitting image of the person I'm going to say is Mother Teresa. Okay, and if you could head towards good as well, okay. All right, so we have Abraham Lincoln and Mother Teresa, and then we're going to kind of go on the evil side of things. Uh, so we have Osama bin Laden, if you could put that on, okay, and then another good uh, of our spitting image. Is, so you're going to head towards evil there, Osama. I don't know if you can get this off. Uh, and then uh, this is Hitler, okay, so... Uh, so Hitler is going to head, I think we can agree, towards evil as well. Okay, and then Luke this morning is going to represent the rest of us, the people of hope. And we're going to say that the people of hope, I think, fall somewhere between Hitler and, and these guys over here. Okay, so, so between Mother Teresa and Hitler are the rest of us. Okay, so we'll, we'll leave you there because we think, yes, he's closer to Mother Teresa than Hitler. Okay, so, but that's the rest of us. We fall somewhere in this spectrum of good and evil. And so everyone's going to fall somewhere along these lines. Everyone with me so far? Okay, so then the question I have for you is where along, she's, Hitler is really struggling with the mustache. <laughs> that's okay. If you want to just hold your hair across the, the lip or something. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> It's more like uh, Sam Brad, or what, what's that guy's name with the big mustache, Wilford Brimley or something. Okay, uh, so where along this spectrum of good and evil, where is the point where we are good enough to have a relationship with God? So that's my question this morning. And we, we could say, all right, yeah, you got to be better than Hitler, all right, definitely we agree with that, but where do we come along the spectrum where we get to the point where we are good enough to have a relationship with God, where we can go to heaven based on how good we are? So there's, there's a couple of problems with that question, and I think that's a question that we naturally ask. And the first problem is that the average person thinks that they are better than the average person. Okay, so that, that's the first problem with that, where you're like, yeah, I'm better than those people, and so I'm good enough. So that, that's the first problem with that. And the second problem, and the major problem, and the part of the gospel that we really need to understand is there is never a point where we reach that we are good enough to have a relationship with God, okay? We would say, yeah, yeah, Osama bin Laden, he, he's not good enough. Hitler, he's not good enough, okay? But we get all the way over to Mother Teresa, and we say, she is hideous. <laughs> she is not good enough, right? So there is no point that we can be good enough, which is why Christ went to the cross because nobody is good enough, so he died on the cross in our place because he is the only one who is ultimate good, okay? So that's a little illustration for us in helping us to get prepared with the gospel, so you guys are free to go. You can just set your stuff down wherever, it's fine. Um, thank you for the mustache. I'll, the second service, I'll have the mustache a little better prepared because it really sells it. 
<laughs> so here's the point of all of that. If you have not accepted that message of, I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life, to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to lead my life from now on, then do that today. Okay, later on in the service or at the end of the service, we're going to have people in the very back who are there to pray with people. Go back there today if you have not accepted Jesus and pray with them. They would love to pray with you to accept Jesus today. So do that. If you have already done that, if you say, yeah, I understood that, that like on the spectrum of things, I'm not good enough, I needed Jesus, I've already done that, then your job now is to get prepared with the gospel message so that you might be able to share it with other people, to become intimately acquainted with the truth of the gospel so that you might share it with others. But getting prepared is only the first part of putting on your gospel shoes. We get prepared, and secondly, we get going, which I believe is implied with the fact that the gospel is compared to shoes. When we put on shoes, we have a place that we are going. Okay, my boys knew that before they, they really even started talking well. I would be putting on my shoes, and they'd come over and say, where are you going? Every time. They know that putting on shoes means you're going somewhere. Okay, so when we think about the gospel and we put on the gospel, it means that it's something that we need to get up and go. So we can't just learn the gospel, get acquainted with the gospel, get prepared with the gospel. We need to get going with the gospel. So back to verse 15 again. Notice how the gospel is described there. It says, As shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. It's called the gospel of peace because through the gospel we have been brought into a relationship with God. So we have that spectrum of good and evil. We're not good enough, but through the gospel, through Jesus and the cross, we are brought to a place where we have a relationship with God. We're no longer at odds with Him because of our sin. We've been brought to a place of peace. And here's where the call to get going really comes in. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, again, talking about the gospel of peace. It says, God, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So God's plan is that he has this gospel message to not count people's trespasses against them because of what Jesus did on the cross, but his plan is more than that. His plan is to use us to tell others about that. He's given us the gospel of peace, not so that we would grab it and hold on to it tightly, but so that we would share it openly with others. You remember when you were young and you got a new pair of shoes? When I was a kid, I would always get a new pair of sneakers right before school every year, and I wasn't allowed to wear them until the very first day of school. But when the first day of school came, I'd put my shoes on and I'd walk around like, I got new shoes, and I look good in my new shoes, and I'm really fast in my new shoes, and I got places to go. Well, not sharing the gospel is like taking those new pair of shoes and chucking them in the closet and never wearing them again. 
Okay, so the gospel is given to us so that we will go, so that we will share that message with others. Jesus, after he, is, he rose from the dead, he gave a command to his disciples, which we now call the Great Commission. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then what was the first word of his command? Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Paul reminds us in Romans 10 what the gospel is and, and, and then the plan for the gospel. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Unless they go. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We've been talking over the last seven months about what a true disciple of God looks like. A true disciple of God has beautiful feet. Now, you're thinking about your own feet right now, and you're thinking, I have hobbit feet. I'm not a true disciple. But our feet become beautiful when we put on our gospel shoes. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news, who go and make disciples, who have put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. That is when our feet are beautiful. One of the ways that we as a church are going to put on the readiness of the gospel of peace is we're going to participate in the Manchester Community Days 0435 Fun Festival. Okay, so it, it's right down by Fielder's Choice in that field behind the playground. We're going to have a big festival there. There will be bounce houses. Who's going to man all those bounce houses? Hope Baptist Church. There's going to be a big carnival blow-up, uh, carnival, a big blow-up obstacle course who is going to be manning the obstacle course? Hope Baptist Church. There's carnival games there. Who is going to be manning the carnival games? Hope Baptist Church. Where is the main parking going to be for the festival? Right here at Hope Baptist Church, we are going to park cars. There will be a trolley that takes people over the festival from here. Okay, Why are we doing this? Because it's just a lot of work. We're doing it because we want to be ready with the gospel of peace. You can help us out with that event. We have right by the door in the back a place to sign up. Sign up and be there all day or sign up and be there for one time slot. We need 40-plus people to come out and help us do that so that we can be ready with our gospel shoes. Help us out with that. And when we do those things, when we come with the gospel of peace, we have victory. Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan. Remember who our enemy is? Soon crush Satan under, under your feet. Under your beautiful feet that have brought the gospel. So put on your gospel shoes, get prepared, and get going. Second piece of armor that we'll be focusing on today, the second way that we get ready is to pick up your faith shield. Look back again to our passage in Ephesians 6, now in verse 16. It says there, "...in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one." So what does it look like to put on the armor of faith? 
What would it mean to practically have and to live out faith in our lives? How do you clothe yourself with that protective faith? What way could you pick up your faith shield? I'm guessing you've heard the idiom, don't let down your guard. Well, our guard, our protection in the Christian walk is our faith. And it's not just any faith, because I believe that everyone, absolutely everyone has faith to some degree in something. Our faith, though, is only as strong or as steady as the object of our faith. So we can have faith in all sorts of things. People have faith in their spouse. They have faith in their job. They have faith in their health, faith in the stock market, faith in their favorite football player. But all of those things are only as strong as the object of their faith. So those things ultimately carry no power in and of themselves. But when we put our unwavering faith in in the all-powerful, always-present, unchanging, never-failing, eternal God, then we have the victory. The outcome is certain. Here's what Jesus' best friend John said in in 1 John 5, 4-5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So here's the point. When we have faith in Jesus, we are victorious. So if we view faith as a shield in the battle, we need to lift it up. Paul said, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So there's not a circumstance, there's not an event, there's not a time, there's not a season of your life where strong faith in the eternal God is unnecessary or unneeded. It is essential for us always in every circumstance to lift up our faith. King David, who understood what it meant to literally go out into battle, to hold up his shield as spears were thrown at him, as arrows were shot at him, he wrote these words in Psalm 3.3, You, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. What does a shield do for a soldier in battle? A shield allows for a soldier who is under heavy fire to come out of a place of vulnerability, to come out of a place of hopelessness and helplessness to a place of protection where they hold up their shield and have confidence to face the battle and lift up their head. That's what faith does for us as well. As we lift up our faith, as we grow in our faith, as we strengthen our knowledge and our understanding and our belief in Jesus Christ and have full faith in Him, we come out of a place of hopelessness. We come out of a place of vulnerability and fear and doubt to a place where we have calm and peace and confidence and boldness. And that can only come through the certainty and the protection of God. So how do we do that, though, practically? How do we lift up our faith? Well, we get to know God. The more that we know God, the more we can have faith in Him, and the more we can have confidence in where we stand. Now, how do we get to know God? 
but we need to talk to him and we need to hear from him. We're going to be talking in a few weeks about the armor of the word of God and the power of prayer. If you are not reading God's word and not hearing from him, if you're not praying to God, if you're not talking with him, then we can't grow in our faith because we don't know the object of our faith. How do you lift up your faith? You make church attendance a priority for you and for your family. You make growth groups a priority for you. You make Kids of Hope Club and de facto and, and youth studies a priority for your kid. So much more than, than we make a priority our leisure time and our activities and, and our school sports or our karate or dance or Boy Scouts or gymnastics or the million other things that we do, which are all great and, and good, and I believe in those things. They have to come second to our faith. Once we lift up our faith, once we've strengthened and deepened our faith, then we can live out our faith. Look back to Ephesians 6, 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Once we've developed and, and deepened our faith, and once we've nurtured and strengthened and lifted up our faith through the knowledge of God, through the encouragement of the church, and the experience of an ongoing and faithful relationship with Jesus Christ, then we will be able to live it out. And when we live it out, then everyone around us sees it. No matter what life throws at us, Paul says in all circumstances, no matter what life throws at us, no matter what people do to us, no matter how Satan attacks us. When we live out our faith, those, those attacks are just deflected and extinguished. It doesn't matter if we have health problems or work stress or broken relationships or financial difficulties or personal doubts or fears or anxieties or persecutions or trials or bullying. Not even spiritual warfare would affect us if our faith is strong in the faithful, stronger God. Amen? Listen to, the, to this passage from 2 Corinthians 4. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal." Here's the point that Paul's making both in that passage in 2 Corinthians and in our verse here in Ephesians. When we have faith in God that is lifted up and lived out, we have a different perspective on everything in this world than we do without faith. When suffering comes into our lives, it's not a, a point of despair, but it is a point for building up our faith even stronger, our relationship with God even stronger. That suffering now becomes an instrument for us to display our faith openly for the world to see. It, it becomes a means to us to share that gospel of peace. Now, living out your faith 
doesn't mean that you don't have trials and difficulties and fears and struggles. No matter what the prosperity gospel says, that's not what the real gospel is. Living out your faith doesn't mean that, that you move in on easy street and it's smooth sailing from then on. Anybody who's had faith for any amount of time would say that's just not true. No, living out your faith means you have a wider and a longer and a deeper perspective about the suffering that you are facing, that joy can be found even in the middle of troubles, that peace can be experienced in the middle of the battle, and that the battle, in fact, has already been won. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So pick up your faith shield. Lift it up. Live it out. It's so easy in the society that we live in to take our faith shield and our gospel shoes and to toss them in a closet somewhere and to forget about them or to take them for granted. I'd say to you this morning, take out that faith. Lift it up. Live it out. Take out those shoes. Get ready. Get prepared. Get going. We have work to be done. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray for the people of hope that we might be armed with the power of the gospel and with a strong and enduring faith. May you bless us with opportunities to share the reason for the hope that we have. May you give us the privilege of living out our faith openly and boldly for all the world to see. God, bring our community to you and bring glory to yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.